All right. Good morning. My name is Colin Brazier. I'm the. I'm doing an introduction because I I heard that there's a good few people here that haven't been here before. So, as I mentioned, my name is Colin Brazier. I am the general director here at the school. I'm a teacher. General director sounds fancy, but you know all it means is I help organize things and oversee things and、uh, get to tell everybody when they do the wrong thing and、uh, so on. So, so far I haven't seen any of you doing anything wrong, so I haven't had that opportunity yet. So we'll see, though. I'm sure.、Um, okay, thank you. So it's just the downs. All right, thank you. All right, let me let me do this first、um, before we get going in in the session.、Um, yeah, I'll do this. So today, I also I kind of oversee the the sports program、um, that you'll do in your teams. There's eight teams. Many of you have done it before, but today we'll do soccer, so we'll be down at the field, and then tomorrow we'll do volleyball,、um, and then Wednesday is a great game. This is、uh, Mr. Harris. Ultimate Chaos.、Uh, I love that name because if it goes wrong, it's part of the game. I mean, you can't go wrong with this game. Like people are going to come to. I didn't know what was going on. That's the name of the game, Ultimate Chaos. But it didn't work. That's Ultimate Chaos. But it was unfair. Ultimate Chaos. How were we supposed to Ultimate Chaos? So I mean, so win, 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 and a win. So、uh, I'll be in charge of the bank.、Uh, I, I heard for that particular game,、uh, it's not real cash, so don't try to come rob us.、Um, but、uh, you will need what we have to. You know, make the game work.、Um, and then, lastly, on Thursday we do handball. We did this for the first time last year. If you've and I've never met anybody here from the states that's really played real European handball, so it probably doesn't matter. But I will put this in in real handball. You're allowed to bounce the ball down the court. It's normally played inside, but in our version, it's a little bit altered. But handball,、um, it, it, we, we're trying again this year. So for those who who really miss、uh, kickball cricket, which is zero of you, we're not doing it this year. I'm sorry. So,、um, and then coming back to、uh, this, I want to. This is the first time we're going to try to do this. We've talked about it for a few years,、um, but this year we're going to try to do it. But you have to sign up. This has got nothing to do with your team. So if you're on Everest or K2, what it's got nothing to do with that. Uh, this is co- completely independent tournament because the volleyball that we have going on on that day really is not volleyball. It is ultimate chaos volleyball, to be honest. <laughs> so then we have some real volleyball. So、um, even if you think you can play real volleyball, this is a good tournament for you to enter.、Uh, but what it is a three-on-three tournament. So there'll be we'll play it up top here. There'll be three,、uh, four courts, one court for guys, three-on-three. Kind of experienced,、um, what we term the better players.、Um, if you haven't played much before, you'll, you know, it's probably not good to be on that court.、Uh, and then we'll have a kind of premier three-on-three for the girls. Then we'll have a more recreational, inexperienced three-on-three for guys, and then a three-on-three for girls. So basically, all, all of you can enter. But you don't have to. It's going to go from basically four to five thirty.、Um, there'll be short games,、uh, and there'll be some prizes. We always go the extra mile for our prizes, so you can ask people about that.、Um, and、uh, you need to sign up, though. You need to sign up. It says they're located in the dining room on the bulletin board. You need to sign up、uh, by the time you finish breakfast on Wednesday, because the tournament is on Wednesday. And what we'll do is we'll look see if we have enough teams.、Um, And if we do, we'll we'll make those courts work, and、uh, we'll kind of fit,、uh, do a schedule. We reserve the right to take an inexperienced team and put them in the inexperienced division, and we have the right to take a、uh, a real experienced team who signed up in the wrong place.、Uh, they were guys, and they signed up on the girls' rec level、uh, to put you in the <laughs> right place, just because you're a little confused. So, okay, all right. Well, I think that's enough of those.、Um, so let's pray and.、Uh, We'll get going with our session this morning. Father, we are thankful for each and every one of these young people here, Lord. We have prayed much that you would be at work and you would prepare hearts, and we're trusting you to do that, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you that your word is living and active, 
It's powerful. It's life-changing. It's eternal. It's the truth. And we come this morning and ask you that you would quicken it to us. Thank you for what we heard this morning already. And uh, just to focus on who you are. And we pray that this would be so through these days. That though we have a lot of things we can do. Oh Lord, may you be high and lifted up. May you be our first love. And we come and commit our time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, put that over there. So what I'm going to do, I, I, I can't remember, I don't know what the right word is, um, but uh, this is a, an asterisk at the beginning of my session today and tomorrow. This is not mine. Uh, I didn't come up with this, but the Lord really laid it on my heart to share it with you. And it basically comes from, not all of it, but some of it, the outlines and so on, come from th- this particular book, How to Worship Jesus Christ. Uh, this is an older copy. This is a newer copy. Uh, there are some back there. And I want to encourage you, if any of this strikes your heart, you need to get this book and you need to read it. Um, because these are messages that Mr. Carroll, who started the school some 45 years ago, the Lord laid on his heart um, through the Second World War as he saw the witness of a young man um, and the centrality of worship in the life of the believer. Um, I'm not going to cover the whole book. I'm going to cover a little bit of chapter 2 and a little bit of chapter 3. But it's a great burden to me that you catch hold of this to some degree. Because it will, it will, in a sense, revolutionize your Christian life. It will, it will get to the core of it. Get to, I, I love to get to, what's the purpose? You know, what, why am I here? You know, what's the first thing? I, I like to know, like, okay, that's great, 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 great. But what is it really all about? And um, I think that these particular messages by Mr. Carroll really strike home. I remember I was a, I'd been, I got saved when I was 23. Um, I probably was um, 31. I was on the mission field in Eastern Europe. And uh, someone sent me a copy of this book and I read it. And I just like, whoa, I've never heard really what he is saying in here, put it in such simple, clear, convicting ways. And and, and, uh, then I heard about the school and I wanted to come here and uh, learn more. I'd not heard of it, really. I'd I'd been saved about eight years. I'd heard a lot of good speakers in in OM in Europe, but I'd never heard this put this way so clearly. And so that's kind of my burden today. I was going to talk about some other things, but the Lord kept bringing me back to this and i thought well lord it's not mine and and i you know i sense lord that, that's not the point the point is I, this is what i want you to share so here we go um so let me just get my my notes because i have a great tendency to completely wander off track so I'm trying to be a little bit more disciplined here so all right true worship i'm gonna ask you uh, People that I know uh, to help me out here, I'm going to ask you to read. So, particularly you students or graduating students, I'm going to point you out. So, make sure you've got your Bible. Joel Cook, uh, you're first up. I'd like you to. Do you have your Bible with you? Okay, good. Uh, you still want to not have your Bible with you. That's, that's not a good thing. If you need a Bible, let me know because we, we have some uh, that we can give to you. So, turn with me to Jeremiah, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 29 13. Isaiah 29 13. And I'm going to ask Joel to stand up and read Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13. Okay, go ahead. Okay, thank you. They draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. From that, we get the sense that the Lord looks at the heart. It doesn't matter what you say, the Lord looks at your heart. Okay. And later on, some years later, uh, Jesus used those particular words. And let's see who we can pick on. Hunter, can you, can you do it? You good? You got a Bible, right? I know it'll have his Bible. So Matthew 15, 8. Can you stand up? Matthew, so page forward, Matthew chapter 15, 8. And the Lord says the same thing, uh, knowing what has taken place in Isaiah 29. So go ahead. Okay. 
So again, said fairly simply again, the Lord notes it. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Okay, those are the negative sides. Um, and again, we see that the Lord is concerned with the heart. And then uh, Robin, you have your Bible with you? Um, now, let's think of the part. What is the Lord looking for? So just page forward a little bit to John 4, chapter, tw- uh, chapter 4, verse 23. And verse, yeah, just read 23 for now. So John chapter 4 and verse 23. Think about what that says. That's a good verse to go back to. There's a lot in that particular verse. But John 4, 23, what is the Lord looking for? Those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that's what we want to think about this morning. What is true worship? What is true worship? And by that we mean what is worship as God understands it, as God describes it. Not as we feel it or sense it or imagine it or think it ought to be, what does the Lord say about worship? And so we want to think about that briefly. Um, this is all by way of introduction. It is in the process of worshiping God Himself from your heart that you begin to sense true Christian reality. You begin to see who the Lord really is. But there's a cost to it, and we'll come to that. There's a commitment to it. We come to that. But I think you as young people, if I understand you to some degree, you want reality, right? You don't want someone up here just telling you things that you know not true. You want genuineness. You want to know God. Um, but sometimes we don't know where to start, or it, it, it doesn't go as we think it should, or it doesn't work out, and we kind of give up and get distracted, generally is what we end up happening to us. We just get distracted. But I want to give you an illustration this morning uh, about a man by the name of Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor uh, gave his life um, to the Lord, and he went to China, and um, on and off he was there some 40-odd to 50 years. But it is said of Hudson Taylor that the sun never rose on China until he, that is Hudson Taylor, was worshipping God. There are many a time that he would travel, and it was noted by his own son and by his um, daughter-in-law that they would travel and they would spend these nights in Chinese inns. Is Michael here? Where's Michael? Is my son here, Michael? Oh, this is illustrations for you, buddy. So he would lay down. Michael doesn't like it when I lay down. Um, Oh, I'm speaking. Okay, you can do it now. So he's laying down in this Chinese inn. So, Stephen, you can do it now. Okay, thanks. And he's sleeping. And um, without fail, his um, son and his daughter-in-law always noted, before the sun came up, when they slept in these Chinese inns, these these, uh, um, inns where there was maybe 20, 30 people laying out on the floor, on a wooden floor, they would hear early in the morning, someone begin to move. And they would look over, and they would see Hudson Taylor get hold of his candle. And he would, he would find a spot that wasn't used, and he would get his Bible, and he would get his journal, and he would move over there real quietly while it was still dark, and he'd settle down, and he'd open up his stuff, um, and he'd take out of his pocket a match, uh, and he would get set, and he would light a little candle, and he would spend time worshiping God without fail. They would note that, even late in his life. Can you turn the lights on? We'll just leave that there. But late in his life, they would note that worship was central and essential to Hudson Taylor. And as I said in the beginning, it was noted that the sun never rose on China until Hudson Taylor had been worshipping the Lord. 
Because he wanted to know reality. He wanted to know who the Lord was. Another example I can give you briefly is C.S. Lewis. Many of you know him from Chronicles of Narnia and so on. He too had a deep desire to want to know the Lord. And he went through some struggles and eventually came to this conclusion. As he contemplated knowing God. You should write this quote down. I think most of the students know it. It's in the process. He, be, he realized finally, as he struggled to get to know the Lord and, and, and the purpose of worship, it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates His presence to man. So as we worship the Lord Himself from our hearts, God is able to communicate. We, our hearts are open and we begin to see who He is. C.S. Lewis, I'm not going to go into his whole struggle, but uh, to be honest, I had a similar struggle. I, I thought, isn't God proud that He demands or that He requires us to worship Him? And uh, you can read more of that regarding C.S. Lewis. And he went through the struggle, but finally he, God broke through and helped him understand that it's when you worship me that your heart is opened. And then you will know me for who I truly am. All right. One last uh, verse we want to read before we press on. We'll see the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me see. Um, I'm leave tea alone. Susie, can you read? All right, so Mark, I'd like you to turn to uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. What a great verse. I, I, you know, you look for the, for the Lord's example, but Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Uh, this is after a very, very busy day uh, prior, and we'll see the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, go ahead. And there he prayed. Isn't that wonderful? Rising very early in the morning, he's staying at Peter's uh, house, his um, mother-in-law's house. And while it's still dark, everyone's still sleeping. Very early in the morning, even after a very busy day, while it was still dark, Mark says, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went out to a desolate or a quiet place. And there he prayed. I want to read um, briefly in the introduction. This particular book is not a comprehensive treatise on prayer. It deals with one aspect of prayer, and that's worship. Worship is prayer. Worship is part of prayer. And he goes on to say, The masters who have given themselves to prayer all agree, without discord, without any argument, that the most important element of all is the essential nature of worship. Think about the Lord's Prayer as we would know it. In Matthew chapter 5, the Lord says, This is how you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's worship. It's the essential part of prayer. We're not going to go any further than that on that one right now. But worship, true worship is essential for you as young people. If you're going to follow the Lord, if you're going to get to know the Lord, true worship is vital. But we might ask ourselves the question, what is true worship? What is it? How do we describe it? How do we know what it is? Uh, we've mentioned already, you know, we can lean to our feelings or our, our emotions and and. Those are good, um, and I'm not against those at all, but, but what does the word worship mean? It comes from, as it tells us in this particular book, it comes from the Anglo-Saxon word worth-ship, okay? Worth, giving God worth to attribute to God what is worthy of Him. To attribute to someone or something what is worthy of them. To worship Jesus Christ is to attribute worth to Him. How do we know what it is? How do we know what true worship is? And that's where we want to think about, and that's our key passage we're going to get to in a second. We want to go to the Word of God. Because there's a lot of stuff out there. You go to Google, what is worship? What is true worship? They'll tell you what they want you to know. Is that 
right? Is it wrong? Is it someone's perspective? You know, and, and the person that comes up even may have a PhD in Christian studies or, uh, you know, Hindu religions or whatever. And, and here we go. This is what true worship and you read it and think that's what, but what source do we truly go to to understand what true worship is? Back in the Second World War, uh, in the deserts of North Africa, the Allies needed to, to retreat. The Germans, their, their, their goal was to outflank the Allies and surround them. But the Allies realized the Germans were coming to outflank them, so they would retreat so they couldn't get outflanked. And sometimes they would move a lot of men and machines, tanks, and they would move them back quickly to not get outflanked. In one particular case, a true story, one particular case, uh, a young corporal, so not very old, was given command to um, quickly retreat a whole ton of soldiers and machines um, and tanks because the Germans were coming to outflank them on their left. And he, everything was going well. It was dark. And they were going well. Nothing was, was, he was right at the front of it and pushing through. Uh, he'd been given his, um, orders and, and, and so on what to do. And he came to this crossroad and there were three roads. And there was a police, there was a police stop there. And they made him stop. He's right in the front. Um, and they made him stop. And they told him, this is the way you need to go. There was a smaller road going that way. And the main road went straight. And he was like, wow, which way do I go? You gotta go, th- and, and, you know, if you know, um, North African, they, they can be very persuasive in your face. You gotta go, you know, and, and say, so he's young and he's feeling the pressure. And, and the men behind him who, who were older than him, he happened to have the rank of a corporal, were like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And he felt the pressure of this. And emotionally he felt, mate, we should just go straight. I don't believe this guy. I just don't believe him. And no, go straight. And he's thinking, I think, and then he was hearing everything. And then eventually he remembered. He pulled out of his pocket. He had a map given to him. And his hands shaking. He opened up this map. And he looked at it. And he tried to figure out. And the map showed him to take the road to the left. It was a smaller road. Go that way. Go that way. No, go straight, his man was saying. I think it's straight. And he pulled it out. And, and, uh, try to examine it what to do in, in 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 the headlights of the vehicle that he was in and he said no we're going to go we're going to go that way that was the right way to go that policeman was sending them back toward the germans that way would have would have taken them way out of the way and they would have eventually got outflanked how did he know which way to go he went to the map it wasn't emotional and he though he was it wasn't an emotional it wasn't down to his feelings it wasn't what everyone was shouting at him it wasn't what his enemy was telling him he went to the map that's the word of god we've got to go to the word of god because you and i can so easily get distracted uh we can so easily get uh misinformed and 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 um we can feel it so right but you need something eternal the word of god is eternal what is true worship how do we know what it looks like? So we're going to turn to this passage. And this is our key passage for where we want to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to just do three points, probably get it through, through it pretty quickly. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 4 and verses 10 and 11. Revelation 4, 10 and 11. It has been stated, stated in this book, and, and others have stated that the two most wonderful chapters on true worship are chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. If you have never read them, you feel daunted by the book of Revelation, read chapters 4 and chapters 5. John is before the throne of God. Don't try to figure out the end times, just read what it says regarding worship. It's a tremendous couple of chapters. I don't know that much about the book of Revelation, but those are the, my two favorite chapters. We're going to just jump right in toward the end of chapter 4, last few verses, and, and that's kind of as enough as what we can do today. But the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne... And they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the Lord, saying, 
Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and to receive honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Chapter 4, verse 10, verse 11. I love the song that we did. We only sang two stanzas of it, but I printed it out here. God, the uncreated one. Uh, tremendous uh, words in that particular song. We'll sing it again tomorrow. But just to remind you uh, of some of them. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. He is faithful through it all. Crown Him King forever. We see the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mighty God in mortal flesh forsaken by a traitor's kiss. Crucified the spotless Lamb, buried by the sons of man. That's us. Rescued by the Father's hand. That's the resurrection. To reign as King forever. Reign as King forever. Reign as King forevermore. Eternal King, God of grace, we crown you with the highest praise. That's worship. Our focus, our heart, is upon the Lord. Heavens, shouts, and saints adore your holy, holy, holy Lord. Three times that attribute is mentioned, both in the old and the new. Great emphasis on the holiness of God. We know little of that today. One of the reasons I think, and I'll just throw this in free, I'm not going to charge you extra for this illustration, but one of the reasons that holiness is is least known or not much known is because the word holy or holiness is used the most in a particular book in the Old Testament. Anybody want to tell me who, what book that is except for those people I've already told? I saw Joel Cook saying, yep. No. Deuteronomy, no. Begins with L, E. Leviticus. When was the last time you read Leviticus? Um, well, that's why we don't know much about holiness. That book contains the most usages of the word holy or holiness. We don't know much about holiness because <coughs> that book contains the most references. Once again, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. So let's think of our three points briefly. What time do I have to finish here? Sorry. Okay, doing all right. Um, Submission. Write that down somewhere. Submission. Campbell Morgan said this. He was a, uh, a tremendous Bible teacher. Back um, around about, he died about 1945 or so. He says this. The supreme thing is worship. The attitude of worship is the attitude of a subject bent before the king. The fundamental thought is that prostration of bowing down. The supreme thing is worship. The central thing, the primary thing. Worship in your life and in my life, which is an aspect of prayer, needs to be first. Think of this particular passage here. Fall down before Him who is seated on the throne. I think we all have a good enough understanding of what that means. It's an attitude. Yes, we can physically do it, but in your own heart, even as you worship here over this week, ask yourself this, is my heart submitted to God? Have I, as I come to worship and we're led in worship, is in my heart, am I bowed down before the Lord? Have I submitted? Have I given Him the first place. The first thing. 
And the order is very, very important and very, very significant. As we look at this map, if you like, this is the map that's going to tell us the truth, what true worship really is. Go to the Word of God. Yes, perhaps the Lord meets you as you worship, but the first thing is submission. The first thing. And the order is important. It's not just any kind of submission. It is total submission. And I'm not standing up here as if I understand it all and I do it. But it's necessary. It's important. The submission of my heart to the one I am worshipping. Oh Lord, I fall down before you. Up at the prayer chapel, the Lord laid on our hearts a particular verse to put up to be uh, displayed in the prayer room, which I hope you get a chance to go up to if you've never been up there. Uh, It's not much in there because the main and primary purpose is to pray, not to be distracted by lots of things. But there's a particular verse put up there, Psalm 95 and verse 6. Nick, can you read that? you have that? Psalm 95... In verse 6. There's a lot of good stuff, obviously, in the Psalms. I'll ask Nick just to read that verse. Write it down somewhere. Psalm 95, 6. Can you read that? Oh, come. Again, you don't have to, but you're invited to. If you want to know the Lord, it is in the process of being worshipped that He communicates His presence to you. You might say, yes, I want to know the Lord. Then you have to learn to worship. The first thing, and the order is essential, they fell down before Him who is seated on the throne. I think we have a a mental picture of that to some degree. The falling down, the submitting, the attitude of submission in my own heart before the King of Kings. Nothing less is true worship. Not because I say so, but because it's in the Word of God. Nothing less. You see, worship isn't about you. Now, you may feel good afterwards, and that's great. That's a byproduct. That's an extra. Worship is about the Lord. The first thing, submission. Total submission. The kneeling down. As Psalm 95 says, Come, Let us kneel down before our Maker. What a wonderful encouragement. Again, you don't have to, but the invitation is there. You can see the King. You can be in His presence. If you want to know the King, you need to come in a way that is right in His eyes. You do not, I do not determine how I come to God. He does. He is the uncreated One perfect he made me i am like him he is not like me sometimes we get tripped up by people say god is a person and we kind of pull it down god's kind of like me no he's not like you at all you're like him you were made in his image god has a personality and we have that. We, we know what it's like to feel things and to, to, to invent things and to enjoy things. But we're like Him. He's not like us. Don't bring God down. Go up to the Lord. But when you go up, and again, we don't have time to think about it. You've got to have clean hands and a pure heart. Otherwise, you're not getting very far. Because God is holy. So the first thing is submission. Secondly, in the passage that we've been looking at or have put out before us is the issue of honor. They cast their crowns before the throne. They take off their crowns and they put them down. And there's only one who is crowned and that's the Lord Himself. This is the picture that we're given In Revelation chapter 4, as John the Apostle on the island of Patmos would describe it to us. And clearly, the the illustration or the background to what he's saying here comes from the time that he lived. 
when the Romans would come through and conquer, they would look for the king, they would look for the leader. And when they conquered those people, they took that leader to Rome. If it was too far to travel, they would have a great image of Caesar and they would bring it out to the center of the town or the city. And that king, firstly, needed to bow down. And they would put his crown on him. And then the second thing that king had to do was take his crown off and put it on the ground in absolute surrender to Caesar. Then he would have to prostrate himself, lay flat down at the emperor's feet. Again, as mentioned, if they couldn't get him, if it was too far, they didn't have time to take him to Rome, to Caesar himself, a massive image of Caesar was put out in front of him and he would take his crown off and he would put it down. It was an act of total submission. That's what's going on here. An abdication to the emperor. I am no longer king, you are king. And the picture is true for us. We want to be king. We want to be in control of our lives, don't we? But if you want to worship the Lord, if you want to follow the Lord, you've got to take off your crown. Your crown, what does it represent? Your crown represents all that's maybe uh, profitable to you. What you look like. You know, your talents, your gifts, your money. It means nothing to the Lord. He doesn't need that. The purpose of a crown is to draw attention to the one wearing it, right? He would put it on and like, ooh, he must be so important. It exalts the wearer. A crown exalts the wearer. The one who wears the crown is exalted. It shines, it's seen. But the true worshiper of Jesus Christ casts down his crown at the Lord's feet. And says, I want you, O Lord, to be exalted, to be glorified, to be honored, to be praised. It's not about me. I'm not going to talk about myself. It's about you, O Lord. That's worship. That's what the Word of God says. Think again. Fall down before Him who is seated on the throne. John goes on to say, and they cast their crowns before the throne. They took them off. That Christ Jesus might alone be honored, exalted, and glorified in your life and in my life as we worship. That's worship. It's not about you. It's not about me. You may be greatly blessed, and you are, because if you truly worship, God is communicating His presence to you. He's making Himself known to you. And that's a wonderful thing. But it's not about you. Thirdly, And you see this in verse 11. (coughs) Then the worshiper, having submitted in total submission and having taken off the crown that exalts himself or draws attention to himself, having taken that off, is then ready to give praise and honor to the Lord. His lips do speak. Remember what the Lord said. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It doesn't matter what you say or what I say. It matters what God is doing and what God sees in that heart. True worship, then, is about the Lord and not me. They ascribe worth, that's true worship, to the one sitting on the throne. He alone is worthy. If you can catch this, if you can make this central, think about all the truth you know about Um, Christianity and the Lord and gather it together and and then kind of push this to the front. Make this vital. Even if it's just a minute in the morning. If you begin to form a habit of making this, as you pray, sometimes, you know, who doesn't feel absolutely hopeless about their prayer life? I'm like, you know, so how's it going with prayer? Oh, man. But start with worship. It sets you on the right track. Even if it's short, oh, Lord, you know, maybe you want to ask the Lord to help you today to, to um, I don't know, have a good day. Start with worship. Don't start with yourself. Start with worship. Start with the Lord. And then He quickens us to pray as we ought. It doesn't have to be long. Oh, Lord, be honored today. 
Lift up your heads, as Mr. Harris said. Look to the Lord first. Primary. So, this third section. They ascribe worth to the one sitting on the throne. He alone is worthy. True worship then is about the Lord Himself. The Old Testament is so full of it. If you in any of my Old Testament classes, you'll know I mention it over and over and over and over and over again that God Himself, it's about worshiping me, about God. God is a person. He's not like us, though. He's not a person like us. Better. We're like Him. But it says, return to me. James says, draw near to me. God is a person. God is someone you can relate to. If all your Christianity is, and I don't know your motivation in being here, perhaps your mom and dad sent you here hoping that we'd straighten you up. That's not the point. Being a better person is not the point of Christianity. It's a great privilege to get to know the Lord Himself. How do we get to know the Lord? Primarily as we worship the Lord. He reveals His presence to us, but there's a way to come. Absolute submission. Take off that crown, place it down, and then allow yourself to think and to speak out that which you know is true of the Lord. What a wonderful thing they say here. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, and how personal that is. To receive, you ought to receive, all oh Lord, glory and honor and power for why? You created all things. He thinks about what God has done, the power of God. And by your will, and you keep things, they exist and they were created. In Colossians it says to us, God created us, we were created by Him and for Him. It's a wonderful thought. We were created by Him and for Him. This cuts right through. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts, they are very far from me. Okay. Application. Doing pretty good here. And again, before we get to that, I wanted to say, if any of this strikes your heart again, these are not my messages. These are messages given here for the last 45 years. If you have any heart to want to know the Lord, this is a good place to come. It's not the only place, but it's a good place. There's nothing dramatic about it. In fact, you kind of, you know, feel a little bit like, whoa, what about me? Good, you know, like, yeah, well, what about you? It's about the Lord. We ask people to come, and we don't say it this way, but we tell them, take off your crown. Put it on the ground. You don't need that. You need the Lord. I need the Lord. If any of this strikes you, or, or you sense the Lord quicken any of this to you, I want, I want to encourage you to, to get this book. There's not that many left in. If, 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 and I'm not trying to... We, we sell them at cost, okay? So we're not trying to make money on them. But again... This will lead you to the Word of God. The Word of God. This is not the Word of God. This is the Word of God. It will lead us, lead you there, but it will help you. These are messages that Mr. Carroll gave over a period of 45 years. You can listen to these messages actually online. If you go to our website, you can listen. There's about five or six messages just as he goes through this. I promise you, if you listen to those, you you won't be the same. What's the application? I'll be honest with you, and, 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 and this is ongoing. True worship is not easy. Biblical worship is not easy. But it is life-changing, and it is glorious. And it's a journey. And you have to give yourself daily. doesn't matter how old you are. I'm 56 now, I think. I normally say I'm 103, but I, you know, you'll probably think I'm lying. Um, but it's still the same. I was talking to Susie yesterday or the day before, or whatever, and, and it was like, how's it going at home? Yeah, good. And, you know, and I said, like, hey, you know, it's times alone with the Lord, time with the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old or you're 56 or you're 103. You've got to give yourself to it. 
I'm not, it never gets necessarily easy because self is such a strong influence. We always want to go back to picking up that crown and living for ourselves and kind of for God too. But if you take off that crown, it's not about you. It's a wonderful thing to begin to think about living for something much greater than yourself. True worship is central to that. It's not complicated, but it is demanding. And it does take commitment. It's not easy. And it's ongoing. True worship is not easy, but it's life-changing and it is very much glorious. But it takes a sense of coming before the Lord and asking Him, or He rather, asking you, do you want to truly know me? Many years ago. Okay, we'll blow out the match. I mean, we'll put Hudson Taylor back to sleep. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't burn a hole through Caleb's drum. All right, where is Caleb? Is he in here still? Don't tell him, I think it's okay. But many years ago, uh, a man was given an assignment to create a place in this desert it was a it wasn't a, a well used way uh, path or road but it was it was used enough and he was given the task to go out there and survey a place to put a well and so off he went and uh, got to about the halfway mark there's no water out there at all no no trees no nothing and uh, he was given the task of of finding the right place to drill a well and uh, create a place where if people were passing through and something happened, there was always at least a halfway point where they could fill up their water bottles and make it through on this particular journey. He got to about the halfway point and um, kind of with his experience assessed, this is probably a good place to drill a well. He knew that if he drilled deep enough, he'd find water. And so he did. He had the machinery with him and someone helping him. And anyway, they drilled down. Eventually, he struck not oil, but water. So he struck water. And then he determined, I'll make a well here. It, there, there was a, some rocks. It's not like, don't think of it just like complete sand. And there's this, you know, there, there were some rocks and stuff there. So it, it could be marked. And, and it was just off the road, main road. And this well was dug. And it was pretty deep. But he, for the people to get the water out, uh, again, there, there was a bucket there and they would have to put it down and so on. But he, he thought, okay, if this pump is going to work, I need to find, because it may not be used for a year, who knows? Um, I need a, he needed a washer that wasn't plastic, that would get brittle and break. And as he, in all of his experience, he determined the best way to do this, to make sure that this well could work when anybody would come along was to create a leather washer. Now, because it was in the hot sun and, and so on, the, the leather washer would shrink. And he knew that. And so he came up and he had these instructions written and put on the well that when you came here and you needed water, there was a small bottle left there of water. You know how good that looks when you're really, really thirsty? And you were to take this water in this bottle and you were to pour it down this pipe and it would go all the way down and it would activate the washer at the bottom and the washer would expand and then the pump would work. Man, brilliant. What a brilliant idea. And it worked. The key though was when you were finished, you were to fill the water bottle back up again after you filled yours up and had enough water. And there was more than enough water down there. And then you were to leave it for the next person that might come along. So all the instructions were written and the water was put there and uh, so it would be. Now imagine you come along or I come along and you are so thirsty. And you come along and you find this well and you're like, yes, and you look there and you look at the instructions and you can, you know, you've got sand all over you and you're like, you can hardly read and, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. And you see this. 
and you think, oh, how long has this been here? Is it going to work? You're about to throw your whole life away down this pipe to wet this washer, to expand it, to get as much water as you'll ever need to make it safely to the next place. Or you can take this water and just say, forget it. I'm going to live off this water and hopefully I'll make it. I'll sip it a bit at a time. That's kind of the choice we have. Are you going to keep your life or are you going to lose your life? Are you going to submit and take off your crown and find the Lord? Or are you going to keep your crummy life to yourself and, and just hope that, you know, oh, it'll be okay and live for yourself? What happens if it doesn't work? What happens if I pour this water down this pipe and I try to pump it and it doesn't work? I've lost everything. I'm going to die. Are you going to hold on to your life? Or are you going to trust the Lord? Because that's what he says. If you lay down your life for my sake, you will truly find it. But you've got to pour it all out. He needs all of this water. And so he would pour it down into that pipe. Everything. Sometimes we don't want to do it all, but you need to put it all in there. And pour it down. If it doesn't work, you're dead. And you start the pump. Or, I'm sorry, you need to wait for about a minute for that water to get down. To work on that leather. To soften the leather up. Waited about a minute, dying of thirst, and then begin to pump. Nothing initially seemed to happen, and he pump, and then suddenly, water would come. Life-giving water. The Lord will never disappoint you, but you've got to pour out your whole life, and you've got to let it go. Otherwise, you'll never know the Lord, as you can. True worship is not easy. But it's life-changing and it's glorious. And if we're going to press on from here, true worship, it requires a true heart. It requires a heart poured out. That God may pour into your life His life. And that you might start to follow Him with no reserve. Tomorrow we're going to speak about a true heart. What is a true heart? What does it mean to really pour that water down that well? That He might give you living water. That you will never, ever thirst again. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. and Lord, again, we, we come as ones wanting to learn. Oh Lord, I don't stand here as one who worships as I ought. Oh Lord, forgive me for being so caught up with myself so often. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us, Lord, each of us, from the youngest to the oldest. What are we holding back? What are we not willing to pour out and let go of? Oh, Lord, that we would be true worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word, that it is always right, that we need to bow down, that we need to take off that crown that exalts us. Oh, that we might praise you and worship you with a true heart. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Continue to trust our day to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.